Hundreds of hearts that beat as one. Grateful for all the house has done. Attention, attention. Welcome to the Western House Camp Podcast, Season 2. I'm your host, Camp Director Ryan Walensky. This episode of the podcast will be the audio version of the summer 2021 COVID question and answer session with parents that took place on Monday, April 19th with our board member and pediatrician, Dr. Evan Hack, our nurse practitioner, Natasha Williamson, as well as input from myself and our business operations director, Steve Dancy. The video is also on our COVID website. I hope you find this informative. All right. Thank you, everybody, for joining us tonight. Um, it's a, a year unlike any other, and we're all working together here to get camp ready for the summer of 2021 and to have a safe, safe, fun, and healthy summer. Um, I'm Steve Dancy. I was a camper and counselor for 10 years. I've been on the board of directors for a number of years, and now I'm the business operations director helping out on the back, uh, on the back end of, of camp operations. Um, I'm not actually at camp during the summer. Um, but I'm helping support all the folks on this call who are. I'm going to share. So right now what we're looking at tonight is um, the goal, a safe, healthy, and fun summer of 2021. We're going to start with some introductions of the people who will be speaking tonight. And this is going to go with, uh, we're going to start with a Q&A from pre-submitted questions. So we appreciate anybody who had submitted a question beforehand. And um, that's kind of broken down into two areas, before camp and during camp. And then any questions that you guys have now, feel free to include them in the chat. Um, and myself and Josh Daigle will, will be monitoring the chat. And any questions that um, aren't answered or won't be answered uh, as part of our plan, we'll add into the appropriate section or to the end of the session. Um, I'll also be monitoring volume and background noise because like I said, we are recording this right now. We'll post it on our website for those who can't see it. Um, I'm also, I have the, the questions that we're, we're going through on a different screen. So if you see me looking off, that's what I'm looking at is the different screen there. And um, I think let's get going. So the first uh, person we're going to have introduce themselves is uh, Dr. Evan Hack. Hi, everybody. Welcome. Great to see such a big crowd. Um, so first of all, um, I am first a West Ender. So I attended camp as a camper back in the dark ages in the 70s and was a counselor for many years. Um, I currently serve on the board of directors for the past several years as well. Um, and camp is always in me. It's in my blood. It's with me every day. It's responsible for, in part, for me being able to talk to you in this position. Um, so that's first. Second, I am a practicing pediatrician. I um, have a pediatric uh, private practice that I started after residency um, 32 years ago. I actually did my residency at Boston Floating Hospital at Tufts, so I'm familiar with the Boston area and still one of my kids lives in that area. Um, and currently um, our practice is in, has always been in full operation since COVID. We see well visits, sick visits. I see kids with COVID. Uh, so uh, I'm very familiar clinically with it. I also serve as a school medical advisor for two school districts at my town of New Milford, Connecticut, and a, an adjacent town. Uh, so I'm very involved in and have been involved since the summer with school planning and during the school year with uh, weekly uh, meetings with both of those school districts. Um, so um, I want to just say kind of at a 35,000 feet view of things tonight, you know, everything we're going to go over tonight applies to today. As you know, with COVID, uh, we're learning something almost every day. So we may be having other parent information sessions if things um, significantly change. And uh, one of our main goals for the summer is transparency and communication with um, all of you. So um, just always keep that in mind. We're trying to, you know, we meet every couple of weeks. We're trying to stay as current as, as we can and adapting as we need to. So welcome. Thank you, Dr. Hack. We appreciate you joining us. Um, next, we'll go to Natasha Williamson, our nurse practitioner and uh, camp nurse. 
Hi, everybody. Um, thank you, as Dr. Hack said, for being here this evening. I know it's uh, taken time out of your Monday night, and we really appreciate that. We all very strongly feel like this is a very important topic. So again, thank you for that. So I am a family nurse practitioner. I practice in the state of Maine, right down the road from camp. It's at Sacre Valley Health Center, and that's actually where our campers in years past have gone if they've needed care while they've been at camp. So I'm very close by. I practice in the same community, and um, you know, I've been working not only with the primary care side of things, but also with the walk-in side. And that's been mostly this time, of course, as you can imagine, there's a lot of COVID happening, um, a lot of COVID testing, a lot of COVID um, policies and procedures that I have to kind of stay up on. So that's really important. That's probably my first job. Um, and then I additionally work as a nurse in the COVID ICUs. So I'm still doing that. I haven't quite broken away from it. Can't quite give it up yet um, with it being so... I hate to use the word prevalent, but COVID is still out there and, and uh, someday I'll feel comfortable <laughs> leaving that, that role. But right now I'm focused on the 2021 season, the summer camp season. And uh, my first year at camp was 2019 and I was welcomed with open arms and I can't wait to come back for 2021. Thanks, Tasha. And uh, you also have a young son who will be returning with us as a camper, right? That is absolutely correct. He's also very excited to return. Um, did a little bit of the house at home stuff, but he's a little guy, so it was a little more challenging. But he did say whatever he hopped on, he was very excited about. And so it was really great. Thank you. And uh, I don't think he could make the Zoom tonight, but in addition to uh, Natasha as a camp nurse, we hired another camp nurse, Brock Major. And he not only has is a school nurse, but has experience um, as a camp nurse in other camps, as well as he has uh, experience on the wilderness uh, training uh, side of things as well. And uh, of course, we are joined by uh, Ryan Walensky, camp director, as well as uh, Bill Margolin and Steve Leffler. So we appreciate everybody joining us tonight. We are going to get right into the questions. Um, the first section really deals with what's gonna happen before camp. So, uh, Tasha, the first question is going to go to you. What are we doing for pre-camp testing procedures? When do kids need to be tested and what kind of tests are acceptable? So we are expecting our campers to come in hand with a negative PCR test. So that is a very specific test. You will not be able to come with a rapid. You won't be able to come with an antigen. Um, and you won't be able to come with a molecular. We are choosing that PCR test because it is the most accurate and it'll give us the best assurance that our campers aren't coming to camp with COVID. We want you to get that test five days before coming onto camp. So that would be Tuesday, if we're kind of thinking of a marker there, right? So Tuesday, we want you to get that test that gives you, should be sufficient time, no matter which laboratory you go to in order to get those test results to be able to bring those with you to camp. So that's the big thing. Um, and like I said before, the, the most important part of that is that it is that PCR testing. So if you um, can't adhere to that time span, um, you know, if that five days is a challenge for you, maybe your family's away, whatever, be, please reach out to Ryan or Steve every boy is able to come to camp and have that negative test in hand. The other piece of that, um, you might be asking, well, what if my, what if my son's already had COVID? Um, do we still need to do that PCR test? And the answer to that would be yes. Um, but only if they are more than 90 days out from their illness. So if you have had COVID 90 days prior to the start of camp, then you would not need to, to come with a negative PCR because you have some sort of immunity. So it's a little confusing. Um, we are trying to keep this as straightforward as possible. So if you are a, a child who has not had COVID, you will need that negative PCR five days prior to entering camp. And you will want to come with that negative test result with you. If you need clarification on that, or you, you feel like your son is in a unique circumstance, please let us know and we will be happy to make a clarification for you. 
Absolutely. Thank you, Natasha. I know your, your audio cut, in, uh, cut out a little bit at the end there, but in addition to this audio recording being up on the website, uh, we'll include some of this in written form. So if there's any questions, you can refer back to that as well. Our next question is, uh, is for you, Dr. Hack. Uh, and right now, most of the vaccines are available for those 16 and older, but there's a possibility of some younger age kids vaccines being available soon. If you are fully vaccinated, do you need to take the PCR test five days before camp and uh, the test as you enter camp and the test five days into camp? To be most conservative and to be um, most complete and to keep track of everything, we want to have the same protocol for testing for everybody. So we've decided that um, everybody will follow the same protocol. There's, uh, you know, the vaccines themselves are, as you know, are not 100%. Um, they're almost 100% in preventing somebody from getting very sick, meaning in the hospital or dying but they're not nearly 100% as far as acquiring COVID as a mild case or being an asymptomatic person who those two people can transmit disease, although it's very low, uh, but to be complete, we would just rather have everybody go through the testing to be sure. And uh, that will give us the best shot of having um, our little um, bubble formed so we can proceed. So. Um, it'll just be much simpler to keep track of everything. So if anybody has questions, we can also answer them individually. Yeah, absolutely. And we'll include contact information at the end of the uh, session as well, if anybody has any questions. Um, Natasha, the, um, the PCR test, there was a question on why we're doing the PCR test over the less invasive spit test. The reason we're doing that PCR test and not doing those other tests that I mentioned before is because it is the most accurate test that we have available to us. Um, it, it is a little bit more invasive and we understand that, um, but those other tests like the spit test, for example, or the cheek swab testing, those aren't quite as accurate as the nasal PCR. Okay, and does that nasal PCR work if someone's nose has been cauterized? It does actually, because um, to use a medical term, it's the mid-turbinate and it kind of goes to about here. It never actually passes beyond the nasal bone. So it's not the scary one that everyone kind of thinks of when they think of that nasal swab um, that we used to have to first do when COVID first came out. It's, it's very, it's much less invasive. And it, in fact, I would hesitate to use the word invasive at all. It just kind of goes into the, the nasal passages there and it is swirled around a few times. Um, and then we kind of, that's, that's basically the gist of it. Great. Thank you. Uh, Dr. Hack, um, this question is about what we're doing um, before camp and at the turnover mark. So what are we doing to ensure COVID doesn't enter camp at the start or at the turnover mark? And how can we as parents support you and the counselors in making this an amazing summer despite the COVID regulations? Okay, so first of all, um, our staff uh, arrives early to set up camp. They usually arrive the Tuesday before. So the staff is gonna, going to be um, subjected to the same testing protocol of having a negative PCR test in order to get to camp for setup, uh, being tested with a rapid test on arrival to camp and doing a PCR test five days later, which will actually be the day camp starts. Um, and then the campers are gonna follow that same protocol. Um, for both staff and for campers, a key element of pre-camp pr preparation is what we call being smart before camp. Um, and ideally being smart should happen the prior two weeks to the start of camp. And that is sort of doing like, if you can with your family, best scenario is to do sort of a quarantine where you're certainly avoiding um, big gatherings, you're avoiding eating in restaurants, you're really acting like you're quarantining. Obviously going to the grocery store and taking all the precautions would be fine. Uh, but things to consider might be your child's sporting events, should you stop them two weeks before to limit exposure. Um, so we want people to be really smart and not just the kid who's going to camp. It really means the whole family 
being smart together to give that child the best chance of not being exposed to COVID in those two weeks prior to camp. So the question came, what can we as families do to help the staff at camp to have a safe season? To me, that's the number one thing you can do to help out uh, to, so we can get off to a really safe start without any pre-camp exposures that end up turning positive in, in camp. So every family situation is different. Um, nothing, you know, we want you to do the best you can, but um, the more families that can do that quarantining um, um, and limiting exposure, the better. Thank you. Yeah, you know, we as directors and medical staff are doing what we can once we have your boys at camp. But we certainly need your help in doing medical forms, getting tested, and, and staying apart from big groups as much as we can before camp starts. Um, Ryan, uh, question for you. Somebody asked about what, if anything, parents need to pack differently this year as a result of COVID. So camp will be providing masks for all the kids. We have like thousands of masks ready to go. So there's no need to pack masks. However, some kids have their own masks that they prefer. If you're going to do that, then that's, that's fine too, as long as it, you know, covers the nose and mouth. Um, we're, we're recommending that parents pack a dishwasher, dish, excuse me, dishwasher safe uh, water bottle. And we're going to be having more outdoor activities than normal. So I would suggest packing an extra hoodie or pants or maybe even a couple of each. And the other suggestion that I'm making is to pack a few pairs of shorts that have pockets in them. For example, I'm just using this example of your kids playing center field and softball. They don't need to have a mask on because there's nobody near them. But if they're going to have their mask on them physically, they're going to want to put it in their pocket. So that might be an easy thing to do there. Um, we're going to be having a more detailed checklist, though, coming out very soon. Uh, thanks. And a follow-up question on the masks. If someone wants to bring them, how many uh, do you recommend? So we do laundry once a week. So the easy answer would be seven, but I would re actually recommend 10 because if you're, if you have, you know, seven cloth masks and they're being washed, you want a, a couple backups. So I, I would say 10 would, would probably be a good number. Yeah. But again, for everybody, you do not need to bring other than that first day of camp. You don't need to bring any mask. Camp is providing the standard, um, you know, blue around the ear masks. Um, Ryan, one more question for you. Are we encouraging all of the staff to get vaccinated? Yes, definitely. Yes, is the answer to that. Um, you know, we don't know how many people have been vaccinated at this point. But we're really going to be pushing on in the next couple of days, sending out literature to our staff about the easiest ways to get vaccinated, you know, whether it be, uh, you know, the 16 year old deadline has happened. So, you know, that should be happening fairly soon. But we, so we want our staff to sign up as soon as possible. OK, great. Thank you, uh, Dr. Half Hack. We're going to go to you. This uh, next section of questions is how things are going to work during camp. So this question is about um, really mask wearing. How long do the boys have to wear the mask at camp? When will camp feel normal with no masks or dining together? Or is there an all clear marker when the whole camp can function like it normally does? Uh, and follow up to that is where will masks be worn? And when will the boys be able to remove their masks? Okay. Uh, it's an important question, um, but it's really <clears throat> about a much broader um, concept. So we know we now know what works and doesn't work in camp environments. So there's actually been in the um, pediatric literature um, studies that were done from camp experiences last summer. There were camps that did run around the country. There were four camps in Maine that had a very positive experience. There were other camps that did not have a good experience. Uh, the ones that were written up were uh, Georgia and Wisconsin um, and where what went wrong in those in those situations. And you as parents, I'm not going to tell you anything you don't know, because it's really the same thing that have kept your kids going to school. So we know the things that decrease the risk of COVID, the mitigation strategies that work are wearing a mask, physical distancing, and good hand hygiene. And you can also add a fourth enhanced cleaning of high touch surfaces. So we know that those work to mitigate the spread of COVID. 
So those things uh, were in place. The other thing that helps goes along as part of physical distancing is cohorting. So you know your kids in school are in a special cohort. It might be by classroom, especially with the younger grades. It could be um, a couple of classrooms at a time. Every school does it differently. And doing activities just with your cohort. So cohorting, masking, distancing, and enhanced cleaning, we know those work. And that's what we're going to be doing this summer. Um, and we have the, the studies have been done, um, the experiences are known. Um, we can, we we're using what went wrong and what went right with those other camp experiences um, to help formulate our plan. So um, cohorting is the simple, smallest cohort is your bunk. So in your bunk, that's your family. You don't have to wear a mask in your bunk. Um, that is for sure. Now, once we have everybody testing negative, there's uh, sometimes you can expand your cohort beyond your bunk. Um, we haven't determined how that's going to work yet because we have a lot of um, activities, our camp, that different kids from different bunks participate in, like they're on the same team at leagues. So that's crossing cohorts there. So we have to still work that out. But in their own bunk family, kids um, obviously will not have to wear a mask. However, uh, masking is still going to be important and distancing important with activities. And we're gonna do it on an activity by activity basis when a mask will be worn. So for instance, um, if the mask cannot be worn if you're on, a, a, on the water in any form, swimming, paddle boarding, boating, skiing, doesn't matter, or you're swimming, you cannot have a mask, that's dangerous. But if you're walking to the waterfront or you're sitting on the, by the canoes getting a dry dock canoe lesson before you go out in the canoes, you should have your mask on, um, especially if you can't be six, um, six feet apart. Um, so it's going to be activity by activity. So walking to the mess hall, there's a question we're gonna come up later about the dining hall. That's another time you're gonna be wearing a mask. It's really um, not a lot different than school, but a lot of activities we, we hope they won't have to have a mask on such as like the have to all day at school. So we have to figure, we're gonna do it activity by activity, um, but is it gonna be a free for all with no mask at all, all summer? Um, that's an option, but we don't think that would be a really good idea. Um, we know that's one of the things that really went wrong in the camps that did not do well. They, had, they didn't cohort, they did not do distancing well, and they had no mask requirements. Um, and it, it failed miserably. The main camps did all of those things and ran the four main camps that open ran very successful programs. Um, so that's really the, the most important, one of the most important things we wanted to get across tonight. So camp will be different, but the good news is we're gonna have camp and we're gonna have it and not be closed down because we have too many cases of COVID. So in, if we do get a case and we would be naive to go into camp saying, well, we're definitely not gonna even see a case that would be, you know, that would be being blind. We have to be prepared. Um, and to we, but the main thing is we want to always look at it from how do we keep camp open? How do we minimize our risk? So that's really those mitigating measures that you're seeing that are public health recommendations from the beginning that all this, that school districts have done really well. There's been very little, as you know, transmission within schools and school in school transmission really means among cohorts, not if someone in your kid's class is positive and the person you know sitting next to them gets positive. That's not in-school transmission, that's expected. It's when you have transmission among cohorts in a school, that's in-school transmission of COVID. It's kind of a confusing concept, but very important. And that's how um, we'll um, talk about it with camp. So we'll be talking more with some of the other questions, but I think that answers that question. Yes, great, thank you. Um, and I do see a couple questions in the chat. Um, I believe we'll catch up to those with some um, 
with some pre-planned questions already, but if not, we'll make sure those questions are all answered that come from the chat. Next uh, question is for you, Natasha. Um, if a child does have a positive test, is the bunk that they're in stuck in their cabin? If so, for how long? If a camper or staff member presents with symptoms and then tests positive, what are the procedures for alerting parents? If you can talk a little bit about quarantine and isolation, where would that person be housed? and how will close contacts be affected? So I think that probably the easiest way for you guys to relate to this will be however this has been happening in your school systems, right? It's not gonna be much different than that. So if a camper tests positive, whether it be via rapid test on, um, you know, a future as they are, or if their pizza has to pop, um, we will be notifying close contacts as well as the positive campers' parents via telephone. We will speak to somebody on the phone. Um, obviously, we would hope that we'd be able to communicate with you immediately, but if we have to get phone calls back, why not? We understand. However, everyone will be notified, or at least attempted to be notified via telephone prior to um, a email going out to the entire camp stating their head positive son because we are required by the schools. You may think to yourself, well, why am I getting all these emails about these positive cases? My kid wasn't affected. But by law, we are required to notify you that you have, um, we have a positive case on camp. So you will get a phone call if it is a um, close contact or your camper is the one who is actually positive but you will get an email if you are just being notified that, hey, guess what, there's a positive case. So that's kind of the notification process. The other big thing that will happen is those close contacts will be put into quarantine and the positive camper will be put into isolation. Those are two different things, right? So isolation will happen in a predetermined location um, with another either close contact and vaccinated counselor, preferably, um, or at least a vaccinated staff member. It is not that, sorry, I'm kind of like seeing the chat pop up. So I'm like trying to ignore it at the same time. Um, but it is not going to be, you know, they're just sitting there alone. Um, you know, <laughs> isolation is such a negative word and it has a lot of negative connotations, but you know, you will be notified that you will have to have your boy picked up. Um, the counselor or the vaccinated staff member, one or the other, will be with the boy to pack their belongings. Um, nobody else will be in the cabin with them. And then they will be picked up hopefully within 24 hours. I think that is the goal for the camp. Um, the close contacts, however, will quarantine together. And so maybe that's a bunk. That's probably ideally what it would be, would be just the bunk. Um, but you know, if we've already gotten several weeks into camp, there might be a few more because we've increased our bubble, right? So we might get a few more, but ideally it'll just be the bunk. And if it's not just the bunk, then there is another location that we will be quarantining people in. That time frame is gonna be based on CDC recommendations. And as of right now, it is 10 days. Um, if that changes before camp, that will change for us too, right? We're, we're adapting things as we go. On day seven, they will be PCR tested again, just like when they came onto camp, because that is the most accurate test. If they are negative and symptom-free come day 10, they will be released from quarantine. Now, I don't want you guys to imagine your boys just sitting in the bunk for 10 days doing nothing. That's not what's going to happen. We have already anticipated this as being a possibility. We will make sure that there are activities and things that are happening for these boys and not just sitting in the bunk playing games. You know, we are actually going to get them out still just with their cohorted, you know, quarantining close contact individuals. That's just the reality of it. Um, but they're still going to be experiencing cam much like they would otherwise, just maybe with a less, little less commingling. Um, but I think that's the, I think that's the entirety of that question. <laughs> if I skipped anything, just let me know. No, that, that was great, uh, Tasha. Thank you. 
Um, and your, your audio and video is not the best right now. So I might ask you to um, shut your video off for your next question, just so we can make sure we hear your audio correctly. Um, and uh, we do see these questions coming in the chat. We will take care of those. Um, our next question is for Ryan, camp director. How are you preventing counselors from bringing COVID into camp on their days or nights off? Well, as of right now, the counselors are not going to be having time out of camp. They'll be having time off, but not outside of camp. Um, in preparation of this, I actually consult with a couple of our key counselors every couple of weeks and talk about different ways to make this summer enjoyable and giving them extra privileges and some extra things that they can do. Um, we talked about maybe even allowing them if they do leave camp that like we could have like a van full of or a group of counselors go to like a place where there's no definitely nobody else likes like a you know a, a small area of a beach or something like that or maybe we can rent out a bowling alley. So it's very important to keep our counselors like happy and engaged, but we're but we're not going to do it at the uh, expense of of safety. Um, but the, you know th these guys are used to it. They've been doing this all year and they've been you know they're so thrilled just to have camp that i don't think that it's going to be a major deal for people to not have their typical nights outside of camp thanks ryan next question is also for you um it's regarding packages coming into camp is that still going to be allowed yes we are going to allow parents to send packages to camp as they typically would i think what's important is just to Try to keep as much normalcy as possible. I don't think this is the year to be, you know, changing, you know, 100, 113 years of Weston House traditions. Obviously, we're going to change the ones that, that are COVID-related. But in general, we want to keep as much normalcy as possible. So, yes, parents can still send packages to their sons. And are the boys going to be allowed to eat inside the bunks? Uh, again, yes. You know, you know, I, I'm not the first person to say that, but your bunk is your family. You know, at camp, your bunk is your family. Those are your people. So in the cabin, the rules are different. You can eat in your cabin. You can hang out. You don't need to wear masks in your cabin. Um, so, yes, you can eat in your cabin. Okay. And uh, sticking with food, um, in the dining hall, you know, you mentioned a lot more outdoor activities this year. What is the dining going to look like? Um, how are you dealing with that on a rainy day? Um, yeah. How's that handling? So we were at camp a couple of days ago and we did some measurements. And basically what we're going to have is the oldest four groups are going to be on the porch. And, and it works out perfectly where there's enough social distancing that we can keep everybody in the mess hall. So the oldest group, four groups will be on the porch and the other eight bunks will be inside. Um, we're also adding a entrance exit to the, if you, if you know our mess hall or dining hall really well, to the back right corner of the, um, of the back porch so that our oldest guys can come in and out and make it a little bit uh, easier. And, and the mess hall is, is, has great ventilation. There's porch, there's windows. And, and you know, just in general, we're going to keep windows open all the time. So in those those red doors that we typically open, shut, open, shut, they're going to be open the whole summer just to allow the maximum amount of ventilation into the mess hall. And, and Natasha, you wanted to add something? Yeah, Natasha, you bring your volume up, please. I didn't actually. That was a mistake, and I don't know how to undo it. So you can ignore my hands. <laughs> Yes. No can problem at all. We're all. Yes, we're all still better? getting used to the. Yes, we're all still okay. getting used to the technology. Uh, thank you, uh, Ryan. Thanks, Natasha, on those questions in the um, in the mess hall. And then, like I said, trying to keep everything as normal as possible with the appropriate distancing. And you know, we have a great barbecue pit. We have some other outdoor options that we're certainly going to take advantage of as much as we can. Um, next uh, question is for Natasha. Um, are there air purifiers in the indoor spaces? And is that necessary? So um, we really are very fortunate at our camp. Almost every single building has a ton of windows, a ton of cross ventilation. And in fact, adding in a air purifier really wouldn't add much to the the um, safety, I guess, or or the purification in the 
<laughs> because it's just kind of all the air is just constantly moving anyway. So ultimately, all our shutters are going to be open throughout all of camp. That includes the bunks, the mess hall, the rec hall, anywhere that there is a window that can be opened, it will be open and they will be kind of permanently fixed open for the summer um, to allow for that ventilation to occur. So ultimately, we've just decided that our money would be better spent elsewhere. It's really not a priority in this particular situation. Okay, great. Thank you. Um, I'm going to go to some of the questions in the chat just because I think they're they're relevant here. Um, we talked about you know some of the activities uh, require, requiring close contact, and really like you know like was said before, your bunk is your family. So the initial activities are going to be with your bunk pod or cohort, whatever you're we're calling it, and so there are activities where those people would be wearing masks and are not wearing masks, but the close activities with the entire camp are just not going to happen as they had been. So we are going to be extra cautious and make sure that people are masked when outdoors and away from their pod in all activities. Now, Dr. Hack, um, one of the questions was about the difference of um, what makes it okay to not wear a mask while swimming, but being wearing a mask while um, in some of the land activities. Can you talk about the difference and the, the risk mitigation there? Okay, I see a lot of mask questions. Um, I can also answer some of those. Um, so are you, are you, is this question more about um, sporting activities? Um, yes, specifically about, you know, why, why we're bothering to wear a mask on all the land activities if we're not going to be doing it in the water activities. Um, well, it's, a, it's dangerous if you have a mask on and you're, you fall in the water, there's potential, it's, it's a safety issue. So um, it's just one of those exceptions. As far as land activities, we know from school sports, Kids can participate in sports like basketball and others, um, aerobic sports, and be masked and be fine physiologically. Um, again, we're going to look at each activity um, individually and this, and come up with a, a plan for masking or no masking. Um, so, uh, but with water sports, it's just, there's too much, the risk benefit is far more in favor of risk than benefit. So um, that's um, how we're going to handle that. Um, I see some questions about sleeping with masks or the beds distancing. Uh, the record, they, kids remember a part of a family, they don't need to have a mask. There is um, talk in the camp communities about kids sleeping head to toe. We talked about that, but really, if you're with the family, we don't think that sleeping head to toe would make a difference. And the way our bunks are set up, kids' heads um, are separated by their cubby. So it's actually a physical barrier between heads. And that's probably better than trying to have kids sleep head to toe. Um, I noticed right, that and so with your, when you're with your bunk, when you're with your, your family, your bunk family, you don't need to wear a mask inside the, the, the cabin and you don't need to wear a mask while you are sleeping. Um, and remember, you know, once, as we're allowing that, what has happened before those kids are at camp is that they have a negative PCR test five days before camp and a negative test on the day of arrival to camp. Um, and then only with those two successive negative tests are boys, one, allowed into camp and allowed to you know, be in their pod and not be masked. Um, Dr. Hack, there was a question about the, the rapid tests that we're using giving false positive results. Can you talk about that? Well, unfortunately with every test, um, there's false positive and false negatives. They're not perfect. Um, even the PCR test, which is the more accurate test that takes you know, 24 to 48 hours to get back is not a perfect test. Um, that's with almost any those any tests, whether you're doing a rapid strep test at your doc's office or a rapid flu test that you're used to in years past. None of them are perfect. So, but it's all we have. And you know, when we're dealing with a large population. 
population that we're trying to um, create um, a safe haven, we're going to have to figure out how to deal with that. And one way to deal with a, a positive rapid test is um, to confirm it with a PCR test. Um, so, but, you know, that person can't be around other people while that's happening. Um, and, you know, even there's a, another example is if a child presents to the infirmary um, one morning with um, a temp of 100 and a little cough and a runny nose, they're going to be, we're going to have a, at camp a rapid test and they're going to get a rapid COVID test. And if that's negative, but they certainly have three COVID symptoms, we're not going to send them back to their cabin. We're going to isolate them and send out a PCR test and wait for that to come back in a couple of days. Um, and that's something, you know, I do in my practice every day. Um, you know, and even if I'm doing, a, a, we have a molecular rapid test in our office. If, um, if someone is sick um, and that test is negative, we're still confirming it with a, with a PCR test. So we will have to deal with that because every screening test has false positives and negatives. It also depends on community prevalence. So in times like now, and since basically since Thanksgiving, there's been high community spread of COVID, the rapid tests are more, um, are more reliable and more accurate. Um, if you're talking about last August when there was very little community spread in New England, um, the rapid tests um, for use as a, as a screening would be much uh, less reliable. And right now we don't know what our community prevalence will be when it comes to camp. And that may affect, uh, we may for some reason need to change our, our testing protocol. As I said in the beginning, this is what we know today. So we will keep everybody informed. That's a great question. And it's something as physicians we deal with every day for all kinds of tests over the years. Yeah, thanks. And a follow up to that um, from the chat. You know, if we do absolutely nothing, we are at the most risky situation. If we have the boys sit inside a, a plastic bubble and never do anything, then there's zero risk. And we're trying to get as close to that zero risk with everything we do, whether it's the testing or the masking or the distancing or the potting. Um, so one of the questions is if the boys wear a mask, will they be able to visit other bunks? So Dr. Hack, I wanted to get your thoughts on that. Well, that's something we talked about whether um, when we can expand cohorts. So um, there's a risk benefit. The benefit is obviously more movement about camp and you know, kids in the adjacent bunks are in, of similar ages. Um, and that's, you know, that's a, a big part of camp. Um, we would discourage um, eating um, in another person's bunk because your mask will be off. But if we're gonna have bunk to bunk visitation, um, if we don't have the cohorts expanded, that, then people have to be masked. If we do expand the cohorts and that will be fine. But we haven't decided yet on the best course of action on expanding cohorts. So it's a great question. And we will make a note that we will get back to you with an answer when we have uh, more of a plan on when and how we would want to expand cohorts. Because we'd like to, but we also, as, we, as I said before, we have activities where kids from different cohorts are um, involved in close activities, meaning like a sports league team. Um, you know, if you have junior leagues, you have kids from ages, what, eight to 11 um, on, a, on the same team, but they're in different families, they're in different bunks. So we need to figure out the best way to handle that because we need to have, we want to have camp as camp and do those activities like color war and leagues and, and all those things, but that also require kids of different ages to be uh, uh, teammates. So um, it may just be a risk we take, um, but we're gonna try and do everything to, to provide that balance. Um, so we will get back to you on that, but it's a great question. We've been talking about it. Yes, thank you. Now, like you said, the, the outlook changes weekly. You know, so we have a, a camp COVID committee made up of most of the directors and medical staff on this call, uh, as well as some other key players. And we meet every other week. 
and we get the updates um, to the medical, what's happening in the medical world with COVID and the updates from the director's perspective as to how we are going to adapt what campers and staff are able to do. So we'll continue to update. At the end of this, we'll show you the link to the COVID section of our website where those updates continue to be posted. Um, we have a couple more. Yes, go ahead, Dr. Hack. Just tag on to what you said. We also are involved with other camps, both directly and indirectly through the uh, American Camping Association, through uh, the state of Maine uh, has a group of camps that we are part of that meet regularly. Um, they have a, they've also hired a consultant physician that gives um, webinars periodically on best practices. So we're trying, we're trying to get all of our information um, from all different um, professionals to help us um, and working with other camps. So we, as camps, we can all be consistent um, and provide the best experience. Absolutely. And, you know, we are looking to get back to as normal of a camp as we can as soon as possible under the appropriate medical advice. Um, Ryan, a question for you about our traditional visiting day. Um, are fully vaccinated parents able to come visit camp? So I think ironically, there was just a question that came up in the chat at the exact same time you just asked me that. Um, Unfortunately, we will not be able to uh, have visiting day this year. It's just a classic cost-benefit analysis. It just doesn't make sense to bring in people, parents who um, could potentially have COVID into our bubble. Um, so unfortunately, that, that's what we're going to go with. We will be doing some kind of event, whether it's a recorded event or a Facebook Live event. You know, the five 10-year plaque dedications has been an awesome addition to... Um, to visiting day, thanks to Steve Lepler and Jeff Cublin for donating those plaques. But I, it just doesn't really make sense. I think what we will do, though, is for parents that have kids that are going to be at camp for long stretches, that we'll do, we'll set up Zoom calls with, um, with your child and, and their parents, so that at least they can touch base. Because uh, you know, if you're an eight-week camper, that's a long haul to go without seeing your mom and dad. So that's what we're planning on doing. Thank you, um, Dr. Hack. I, I know we've, we've talked about this a lot over the past 50 minutes, but what, just a, a quick snapshot, what are the mitigation procedures from a high level? Yeah, it just bears repeating. Uh, we know what works, masking, physical distancing, um, hand hygiene, enhanced cleaning of high touch surfaces, and our testing protocol. That's great. And we, you know, we always have hand sanitizers at camp and, um, you know, when a kid enters the mess hall, every time they enter the dining hall, the mess hall, they have a hand sanitizer there. We're certainly going to have that again, as well as having hand sanitizer at every table and in every bunk and at every activity. Um, there will be no shortage of that this year. Um, Ryan, a question for you about other activities that normally take place that won't be happening this year. Um, can you talk a little bit about those? Yeah, I mean, unfortunately, like doing, you know, a fun town trip that it doesn't make much sense. So we're not going to be doing that or, you know, intercamp sports. I think I think we just want to look at it as keeping the fun within our camp as, as best as possible. So, you know, we'll be doing the normal big activities, World Cup, Desert War, Color War. Uh, we'll be doing leagues. But as we talked about, when you're with your own cohort for those first five days or so that instead of doing it like normal leagues, we're just going to call it something like battle pods where within your age group, we'll make two teams and you'll play a bunch of sports against each other. Almost like, almost like a mini color war uh, per se. But, you know, again, my theme is going to be outside, outside, outside. So we'll be doing as much outdoor activities as we possibly can. Um, we're going to set a pickleball in the tennis court, which is a really fun game, like doing, um, you know, like outdoor Jenga, we, we've got a two outdoor projectors that we're going to be doing like movie nights and things like that. So we're just going to try to keep the fun inside our, um, our campus for the summer. Yeah, it's, you know, we appreciate all the parents who well, we've had an Amazon wish list now since uh, around the Thanksgiving time frame. We appreciate anybody who's purchased something off the Amazon wish list. Those have been a great uh, addition to the Margolin Center, um, the projects and games, as well as some of the new activities, like Ryan mentioned, that are added for uh, the COVID adaptations. 
Dr. Hack, a question about the families of staff members. Um, for those that live on campus, are they allowed off campus? And if so, doesn't that increase the risk that they could bring COVID back to the camp facility? Well, that's a great question. Um, the answer is yes, um, but we will be mitigating those risks as much as we can. Um, so any family members that have to leave camp uh, will be remain separate and will not interact with the camp community. Um, they also be uh, subjected to an, um, more testing than the general camp community to take extra precautions. Um, we cannot, the way our camp is set up, we can't have a 100% inclusive um, bubble. Um, but we are limiting, obviously, people coming and going from camp. And those that have to do that on a regular basis will be subjected to enhanced testing and um, will not have really any significant contact with the campers and staff. And remember, throughout everything, contact is defined as to be a contact is you have to have 15 minutes within six feet of someone. And that 15 minutes is cumulative over a day. So it could be two minutes here, seven minutes there, three minutes, another time, et cetera. But remember that, and you, you know that from your schools, that is the definition of a contact. So um, passing by somebody uh, in, you know, outside, uh, is not a contact, even if that person has COVID. So we have to be, you know, we have to be smart about our what we when we do our contact tracing. Contact tracing should we have a positive case? It's not the whole camp is considered a contact. So remember, we will be doing that ourselves, and then we have to work with the local health department as well. Right, exactly. Thank you. Um, Ryan, next question for you. If a boy does have a positive test and does have to leave camp, are they able to come back? I mean, it's really going to depend on the situation. We're not going to have a blanket, like, all one-size-fits-all policy. Um, it depends on when. Um, it depends on, like, at the exact moment in the session. Um, so that's good. those decisions are going to be made on a case-by-case -case basis with the parents, with the directors, with the medical professionals, and everybody working together to make the, you know, the most, you know, the best decision at that time. Okay, thanks. Uh, a follow-up to that. If your son does get a positive test and does have to leave, how does that work financially? So I, I think of the parents on this call know, and in, in if, if you're new to us, then you, you maybe not, maybe not. But like in 2020, when we had to cancel camp, we were, we were very, very easy to deal with. And I'm sure all the parents here can attest. Like we consider you guys part of our extended family and we're going to do the best thing for you and the best thing for your family. So we'll work with anybody if, if, if a situation does happen. Um, your, our relationship with you and your kids and your family is far more important than than any amount of money. So, you know, you could anticipate very uh, reasonable um, relationships with us if something were to happen, as, as we did in 2020. Yeah, that, that's, you know, that's great. Our community is our camp. You know, it's, it goes hand in hand, and that's how we have a strong 113-year history, and we're going to do everything we can to have that continue through this summer and beyond. Um, Ryan, I think the next question that we saw from the chat was regarding bus transportation. If there will still be buses coming up from Boston and then um, how the um, administration of the rapid test on that first day looks like. So, so we're not going to we're not going to have buses going to camp on that first day or at the four week mark. Um, it just doesn't make much sense to have kids packed in a, in a bus going to camp, but, and then, so when the kids get to camp, we are going to have a, we're going to have a testing pro we're going to have testing protocols outside. And once your child has passed their test, then they will be uh, able to enter camp. Uh, we will, we will, as of now, we're looking at having buses going home though, from camp after that four week mark and at the end of the summer, because at that point, you know, hopefully there's no issues in, in that and therefore it makes sense to have buses going home. 
Okay, great. I think that we have answered all questions that have come through the chat and uh, any of the questions that were submitted beforehand. So we'll, um, you know, if anybody feels like they had a question that wasn't answered, please include that in the chat. Um, I know um, somebody requested the link to the Amazon wish list. Um, that is actually available on our website. So I'll see if I can grab that link and put that in. It's on the, the donate page of our website. It shows you all the different ways to donate. Um, but uh, I guess uh, Dr. Hack uh, or Natasha, any, um, any other words? I'll just thank everybody for- Just noting in the chat. Oh, go ahead. I'm just saying thank you everybody for- I was just gonna say something really quick. Go ahead. Go ahead, Evan, you go. Right. Oh, just thank you everybody. I hope uh, we were, uh, gave you enough information uh, we tried to give you all the information that we know. And as, as we all have been saying, it changes sometimes weekly, sometimes daily. So we meet every couple of weeks to review things, continue working on our policies for the summer. And as parents, you will be uh, kept in, in communication frequently um, and with checklists, um, you know, what is our policy, policy going to be based on a lot of the questions we answered tonight and some of the questions we couldn't answer for you yet um, because we haven't uh, finished um, going through our plans for those scenarios. So um, please be patient with us. We are trying to be very methodical and not um, making decisions that are not based on good science. Thank you. Uh, Natasha, before we get to your final note, a couple more questions have come in. Um, we will, we've been recording this Zoom and we plan on having the audio, the recording available on the COVID section of the website, as well as uh, potentially releasing the audio in podcast form. If you haven't already, subscribe to the Western House Camp podcast. Um, there was a question that Ryan answered about the, the rec hall being open, the gym, and yes, it will be, and appropriate masking and social distancing applied for the various activities. I see Josh Daigle, our assistant director, um, included the link to the Amazon wish list. And um, there was a question about what drop-off will look like. So we know that as parents bring kids to camp, they'll have a scheduled time to bring their boy up to camp and most likely drive to the ball fields, get a rapid test, wait the 10 to 15 minutes until that test shows negative, and then be able to drive into camp. And um, really it's, it's called a, a kiss and go where the parents stay in the car, the boy gets out, staff unloads the, the trunk and the parents um, continue along that loop out of camp. So the parents will not be getting out of the car. Parents will just um, say goodbye to their son and their son will be on their way um, to camp. And these, uh, as we discussed earlier, these details, written details will be provided in more detail on the website and through various communications uh, in the future. Um, I think that was it. I'm I going to really quick before, like, I know we're like finalizing here. Um, but there was a question that I think was kind of asked in the, in the chat that was said, but I think just needs to be reiterated. So a parent asked, you know, with all these testing and whatnot, why are we even bothering with masks at all? If they're coming, they're getting tested twice, they're negative. Why would they need the mask? And, and to answer that, I know that mom has already left. I shouldn't say mom, but that, that person has already left. But just to reiterate the fact that, that there were camps that operated in 2020, the ones that decided to have a mask off at any point did not, um, did not operate quite as successfully as those that decided to keep the masks on for the duration of the summer for specific activities. And again, as we've said multiple times, there's gonna be times where the, the campers won't have their masks on, such as the dining hall when eating, their bunks, whatnot. But the safest and the best way to mitigate the risk is to continue with the masks even beyond the negative testing. 
So I just wanted to make that as a final, a little final hit at home sort of thing. <laughs> yeah, absolutely, Natasha. Thanks for reiterating that. And, you know, as we uh, begin to wrap up, I'm going to include a couple links in the chat. One of them is a link to our prospective parents uh, section of the website includes a, a recruiting video that we did. So we encourage all of you to check that out and pass it along to any people um, you might know that would be interested in sending their sons to camp, as well as the link to the COVID section of the website. So you can always go to westernhousecamp.org and navigate around all of these links are there, but specifically that recruiting video and the COVID-19 news. Um, we encourage you to, to check those out and share them. Um, the question, uh, Dr. Hack, about could they still do buses and space out? And then um, perhaps a follow-up for Ryan if, about kids going to Canard. So, Dr. Hack, that first question. Oh, buses and social distancing? That would be a lot of buses. Um, so that's something the, the administration will have to discuss, but we've most camps are not doing buses and it's much safer to do a drop off as and test and kissing goodbye. Um, it just adds another um, layer of risk, especially if you have kids coming to camp on a bus and someone does test positive on arrival to camp, we can't guarantee that they, they may have not have stayed in their seat the whole ride. They may have, it's just like what happens on the school buses. Um, it's very hard to control that environment. So it really does not make sense. It just adds another layer of risk right at the start of camp, which we we don't want. And um, and that's something that did plague some camps around the country where they had COVID come into camp day one from the outside. So we definitely want to learn from those mistakes and and not do that. All right, thank you. And, and Ryan, following up with the next question about still going to Canards, which is the, uh, uh, I guess, a private beach area right down the road from camp, if anybody is unfamiliar with Canards. So I would say the Canards question is kind of comparable to the question that was asked about like going to other bunks. I would say that's like, we're still thinking about it. I could tell you, you know, we're not going to send the kids to Canards like on a Saturday or Sunday where the community, the, the Parsonsfield Cornish community, is uh, comes in huge uh, groups to Canards. I mean, but if it's like a Tuesday morning and we and we think we can separate the kids at Canards like into a different section of the beach, then I think we'll strongly consider that. But I think that's one of those things we want to put a little more thought into before the summer. That's a really good question. And I think just like taking your own family to a beach or a lake right now, you do what you normally do, but you wear a mask there, you separate, you get a, as you know, you have a blanket down as far away from other people and you take the, you know, risk mitigating factors yourselves. And we'll be doing similar things for, for this type of activity as well as all the others. Steve, can I ask you a question? <laughs> well, first I want to thank everyone. Steve Dancy has been doing a ton of work on all this and in getting supplies and doing research. And so I think, you know, he deserves a round of applause. Um, but I want to ask you, and I know the answer obviously, but like in terms of like our supplies, what do we have this summer or what have you been able to accumulate for this, for the summer this year? Sure. I mean, the, the first thing is masks. And um, we're, because we have a 113 year tradition, we're very lucky to have great partners uh, in the community and parents and alumni, all sorts of connections. So we already have 4,000 masks donated and up at camp. Um, we have a commitment for a donation of 3,000 16 ounce bottles of hand sanitizer. I'm sure that will be more than enough. Uh, we are also working on um, uh, Dr. Hack and Natasha and I met last night and we were working on the list of items um, that uh, for the health center that are not normally included, all the COVID mitigating things like face shields and uh, thermometers, the, the thermal forehead thermometers. Um, so yeah, I mean, we're, we're working on all of those things. Um, the biggest things that the campers will use are the masks and the sanitizer. Um, 
we're also working on an increased amount of the wall dispensers of sanitizers in addition to the bottles. Um, as well, um, Ryan, we're actually we're increasing the um, the ventilation in a couple of our indoor spaces. So they already have, you know, windows and screens all the way around, but we're in, uh, putting in some new fans and new uh, ventilation. Uh, I guess they're fans, not a ventilation system, but uh, new fans to continue the airflow and make sure that it's as good as and brand new as it can be um, as it can be this year. Right. Thank you. <laughs> All right. If there's no other questions, we appreciate everybody's time. Um, Dr. Hack or Natasha, any um, parting words or any last things? Um, if not, we appreciate your time. And um, again, we'll post this, um, this, uh, this link to the Zoom. If anybody wants to watch it afterwards, we'll post that on the website. Um, we'll include the audio in podcast form, and we'll include some of the uh, the written Q and A uh, as well as as a link on the website. So you can pass this along or come back to it for reference. And that website that I I linked to the COVID nineteen news section of the website will be where all of the um, newest and most up to date information will be. So we appreciate it. Thanks everybody for coming. Thank you. Thanks everybody. Have a good night. Okay, West End, all lights out. Thank you for listening to the West End House Camp Podcast. If you have any questions or topics to discuss, we'd love to hear your suggestions. Email them to me at ryan.wehc at gmail.com, or you can send me a message, a voice message, to anchor.fm backslash westernhousecamp backslash message. And remember, as long as the sun is in the sky, the spirit of the house We'll never die. Rip, 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 rap, rap, rap. West End House. West End House. Yeah!